0: How are you doing, P.T.? Good job. Amen. Let's give P.T. a big hand. Amen? All right. Now, Father, we just come before you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. And we thank you, first of all, for your presence in this place today. We thank you for the Word of the living God and for the Spirit of God who emancipates us and brings liberty into our lives. And so now we come and set ourselves in agreement as your word goes forth. Father, we pray that exactly what you would want to say today that would be said. I ask for utterance, Lord, to be given to me. And Lord, I pray that you would think through my mind and speak through my lips. And Lord, we covenant with you to give you all of the glory and all of the praise for all that you have done, are doing, and will do in our lives In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 16. Matthew, the 16th chapter. And we're going to see something that uh, Jesus said to his disciples that's extremely important for you and I as well to know in our own lives. From Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I want you to pay particular attention to that phrase, living God. First and foremost, I want to say this, that our God is not dead. He is alive. He is alive. Now, the setting that Jesus was addressing his disciples in was about 25 miles northeast of the Sea of Galilee. It was predominantly a Gentile populated area where the Jews were not. So Jesus was free then to teach and to preach and to minister to disciples with a lot, without a lot of hindrances. The only hindrances was there were the dead deities. You see, that area, Caesarea Philippi, was a place of idol worship, and they had some dead deity by the name of Pan, or Pan. But how many of you know that dead deities cannot stop the living God? Just like dead deities in our nation cannot stop the gospel from going forth. Last time I looked, Muhammad was not Lord. Buddha did not die on the cross and was raised from the dead. Amen? Amen? We know that we serve the living God. And so Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But Jesus addressed this and he says, who do you say I am? It is extremely important that you and I know him for ourselves and that we say who he is in our lives. Peter when on jesus went on to say and he said i say also unto thee peter that thou art simon bar jonah thou art simon bar jonah and uh, and and for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee but my father which is in heaven so who is it that revealed to peter that jesus was the christ the son of the living god The Father which is in heaven. Think about it. Peter had walked with him. He had talked with him. He had seen the miracles of Jesus. He had uh, seen the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. And yet, you know, you can be around God. You can be around Jesus and not really have a revelation of who he is. And so Jesus commended Peter when he said... You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Flesh and blood did not reveal it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And the next verse he says, He says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Now the Greek word Peter there means rock or small rock. In other words, Jesus called him Rocky. (laughs) And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. You're doing good, Rocky. You're doing excellent. But upon this rock... A different Greek word for rock there, it means massive rock like the rock of Gibraltar. And so he's saying, Peter, you're a rock, but upon this revelation knowledge that you receive, that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, this massive rock is what I'm going to build my church on. And so what Jesus is saying is this, that the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, is not built on head knowledge. It's not built on mental ascent. The body of Christ, the church of the living God, is built on revelation knowledge. A knowledge that's beyond your natural understanding, but a knowledge that is revealed down deep into your spirit. It is an intimate, exact, accurate knowledge of Him. All glory to God. And then He went on to say, and the gates of hell, the gates of hell, are not going to prevail against the body of Christ who has revelation knowledge who knows who I am that I am the Christ the Son of the Living God that I am the healer the one that takes your infirmities and bores your sicknesses glory to God revelation knowledge is available to you and it is available to me the scripture says that grace and peace can be multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now here's what I've discovered about revelation knowledge, that it is available to whoever will position themselves to receive it. I must, on a daily basis, position myself to receive knowledge that is revealed to my spirit. Knowledge of who he is, knowledge of what I am in him, knowledge of what I can do through him. Say it with me, revelation knowledge knowledge is is mine. So how then do we position ourselves for this kind of knowledge? Number one, we must put the word of God first place. I mean, God's word must be final authority in our lives. No matter what circumstances come our way, no matter what the devil may have to say, God's Word is final authority. God's Word said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. I love what the psalmist said. He said, forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven. You know what I've decided? I'm going to establish His Word deep in my heart. So, in other words, to position ourselves to be In line for revelation to receive, we must put the word first place. But secondarily, we must also meditate on the word of God. Now, what does the word meditate mean? Well, the word meditate means to ponder, to think upon. It means to utter, to utter. It literally means to talk to yourself. How many of you know it's a healthy thing to talk to yourself just so you're talking to yourself about the right thing? I mean, you're not sitting in a corner babbling, you know. You're not over here like some of those guys go like this, Ohm, That's not the kind of meditation we're talking about. We're talking about meditating on Him. We're talking about meditating on the Word of God. Amen. Now, let me just quote this to you, but you write it down. In Joshua 1.8, it says this, This book of the law, or the Word of God, it shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Now notice the last phrase. Read it with me. For then thou shalt make thy way what? How many of you are interested in being prosperous? And then it goes on to say, and you shall have what kind of success? Good success. The Amplified says you shall be able to deal wisely in all the affairs of this life. How many of you know in this life we need wisdom? How many of you know that life presents itself in many situations and many circumstances? But when we take the Word and meditate on it and talk to ourselves by day and by night, we'll be in position to deal wisely in everything that comes our way. Amen. So the Word of God and the wisdom of God are synonymous. Jesus, you see, has been made unto us wisdom. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do you say He is? Well, I say, He is my wisdom. Say it with me. I say, I say he, is my wisdom. he is my wisdom. So thank God for the wisdom of God. Yeah. Now, here's something about wisdom. Did you know that the wisdom of God is knowing exactly what God wants you to do? The wisdom of God is knowing exactly what your Father would have you to do but then understanding is knowing how to do it amen the wisdom of God is in Christ and you are in Christ and the wisdom of God is yours say this with me I believe believe. and and I say that Jesus is my wisdom I know exactly what I ought to do from my Father which is in heaven. And I have understanding by the Spirit of God on how to do it. Not only will he tell you what to do, he'll tell you how to do it, and he'll tell you when to do it. How many of you this morning are looking to the Lord for some wisdom and some decisions in your life? Should we pray right now? Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I say, based on your word, that Jesus is my wisdom. And so, Father, I'm asking you for divine wisdom concerning this decision and concerning this direction for my life. I believe... That I receive the wisdom of God right now. I thank you, Lord, that I have the wisdom of God. I'm not confused. I don't live in bewilderment. I live in peace and I live in the will of God. Somebody shout amen. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus said, who do you say I am? Who do you say he is on a regular basis in your life? What are you declaring? What are you believing? And what are you saying about Jesus? Well, if you become a Christian, we've all said he is Lord. Amen? Say that with me. Jesus is lord. is lord but now along with his lordship comes a benefit package you know the bible talks about that we are to bless him with all of our heart with everything that is within us and that we are not to forget any of his benefits in christ jesus there are multiplied benefits upon benefits upon benefits amen now, if you work for a company, before you sign the dotted line, I exhort you to find out what that benefit package is. Yeah, amen. How many of you like benefits on the job? Yeah. Well, in Christ Jesus, there are benefits. And the only way that you will find out what those benefits are is by looking into the book of benefits or by looking into the B-I-B-L-E. You see, the Scripture says this, that how shall he not with Jesus, God the Father, give us freely all things? And so it's extremely important that we become very familiar with the Bible. And as we look into the Word of God, we discover and we see who he is in us and who he is to us. Who do you say he is? Well, I say Over the Thomas household, that he is our healer. I say that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me. I say on a regular basis over my own physical body that every organ and every tissue of my body functions normally in the name of Jesus. I say what the words say. Amen? And as long as you say what the word says, Things are going to go God's way in your life. Somebody give God praise today. That's how you got saved. That's how you got saved. Romans says this that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10 says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How many of you can remember the day or the afternoon or the evening you got saved? I'm telling you, one of the things that came out of your mouth because of a heart filled with faith was, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. And at that moment, immediately, you became a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And perhaps the day you were filled with the Spirit, you heard God's Word concerning the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You believed that this gift was available to you, and then you opened your mouth and say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me unto overflowing with the Holy Ghost. And then you opened your mouth and you began to praise Him in a heavenly language. Listen, that same principle, by believing in your heart and saying with your mouth, works in every area of your life. You see, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto whatever you need to get unto. That word unto salvation there, salvation is an all-inclusive word. It not only means to be saved from sin, but it means protection, it means prosperity, it means health, it means anything and everything that you need in Christ Jesus. Gloria Copeland said it like this. She said, in order for faith to work in our lives, faith must be in two places. It must be in our heart And it must be in our mouths. Amen? Let me ask you a question today. Who do you say He is on a regular basis? What are you saying about Him who took your sin? What are you saying about Him who took your sin and made you righteous in Him? You know what I say? And this is what you can say. I say He is my righteousness. And I say I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, what we say is so important. The value of words are so vital. You know, in Mark 11:23, Jesus said this. He said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall what? Be. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have what? I love this verse of Scripture. Whosoever can have whatsoever he saith. It didn't say whosoever has money can have whatsoever he saith. He didn't say whosoever lives on this part of the town can have what he saith. No, he said whosoever can have whatsoever. Say this with me. I'm a whosoever. whosoever. Declare this. Whosoever, Whosoever, it surely meaneth me. If you are a whosoever and you have the word of God planted deep within your heart and you believe it with all of your heart and you begin to say it as a way of life and say it consistently, you will get to a place where you will have what you say. Oh, hallelujah. That's good news. That's good news. Who do you say I am? Jesus is saying to us today. I say I can have what I say. I say you are my abundant provision. I say you are my joy. I say you are my strength. I say you are my light. I say you are my wisdom. Now, who are you saying he is on Monday morning? Who are you saying when the pressure's on? Who are you saying when your children are rebelling? What are you saying? when the bills stack up and say unpaid. I like what Jesse DePlantis told Brother Copeland one time on the Believer's Voice of Victory. Brother Copeland looked him square in the eye and said, Jesse, what do you do when all them bills come in for your television broadcast? He says, Brother Copeland, he says, I just hold them up in the air and say, Jesus, you got mail. (laughs) Amen. Now that is not an escape from responsibility? What that is, it's responding to His ability. How many of you know that your ability, you can do nothing. But thank God with His ability, we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. What do you say? What are you saying? What are you saying when the job looks tough? When it seems like it can't be done? When it seems like There's no way that you're smart enough, that you're strong enough to carry on this responsibility. What do you say? Here's what I say. I say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Try that one on precise. Say it real strong with me. I say, I can, I will do all things through Jesus Christ, all which strengthens me. What do you say when the kids come in late, drunk, throwing up in the toilet? What do you say? I say, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only shall I be saved, but my whole household shall be saved. Oh, glory to God. We experience some of that with our younger son. But you know what? Today, he's serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He's playing in the band at Keith Moore's ministry. He's running sound at Keith Moore's ministry. He's serving in the youth at Keith Moore's ministry. He is a wonderful father. But faith-filled words dominated the laws of sin and death. They were trying to hold him down and to hold him back. And your faith-filled words, his words in your mouth, will bring your children right on up out of sin and death. It will bring your body right on up out of sickness and disease. What are you saying? What are you saying about this government? I say about the United States of America that Jesus Christ is Lord over the USA, that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, and he is the in-between, I say what he started in America, he will finish, he will complete, in Jesus' name. I refuse to say what bad news says. Get the bad news out of your heart. You've been programmed with that junk your whole life. Get in the good news. Get in the Word of God. And then mix face with it and begin to say what God's Word says. Amen. Yeah. Who are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying when you get laid off? What are you saying? I say, He is my provider. Yeah. Say this with me. I say... You are my provider, you are my God, God. God. and you supply supply. all my need need. according to your riches in glory glory. By by Christ Jesus. Brother Hagin had a visitation from the Lord one time. He was meditating on Mark 11, verse 23, and here's what the Lord told him. And this is really, really important for us to see and to realize he told Dad Hagan, he said, you'll have to do three times as much preaching about the saying part as you do about the believing part. Now, if you look at Mark eleven twenty three, 23, you will see the word say or it say three times. And you will see the word believe or believing one time. And so the head of the church, you suppose this is important? Put your ear, look at your neighbor and say, put your ears on. This is extremely important. He said, you'll have to do three times as much preaching about the saying part as you do about the believing part. Because people are not missing it in the believing part. They're missing it in the saying part or in the confession part. Missing it in what we say. Has anybody ever missed it with their words? The Bible says that death and life are what? In the They're in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 6.2 says this, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. The words we speak are vital and they are extremely important. Therefore, we should be in the word Mixing faith with the word and declaring and saying the same thing about ourselves that Jesus and the Father has said about us. Now look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Say it with me. I'm getting something this morning. I'm receiving fresh manna from heaven. So people have been encouraged to believe and we should be encouraged to believe. But we also need to be exhorted, and that's really what I'm doing this morning, we also should be exhorted to say what we believe. Speak what we believe. You know, when John was away at college, he went to a college down in in Santa Cruz, Brenda didn't call him up on the phone and say, oh, John, we miss you, but we want to make sure and wonder if you're still breathing. No. No. You never call your son or your daughter to make sure they're still believing, unless you haven't heard from them for a while. Breathing. Breathing. (laughs) No, that's what human beings do. They they breathe. And that's what believers do. Believers believe. Say it with me. I am a believer. believer. And I believe. believe. Now, in Hebrews chapter 4, notice with me in verse 14. And I want you to read this with me and participate with me in this message. Are you ready? Let's read. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now the word translated profession there, literally in the Greek, is confession. So what he's saying is this, let us hold fast our confession. And in the Greek text it says this, let us hold fast to saying the same thing. Hold fast to saying or speaking the same thing. Now, how many of you remember the little mini-series we did on Good, Good Father? He is a good, good father. And remember that last week we talked about if we're going to be in agreement with him, amen, we need to make sure that we get in step with his rhythm. He doesn't need to get in step with our rhythm. We need to be in step with his rhythm, right? Now, let's pull Amos chapter 3, verse 3 again up on the screen and notice with me this verse. Let's read it together. It says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, what is the answer to that question? Two cannot walk together unless they be in agreement. Now, Brenda and I have been married 38 years, right? And uh, there's no way that we could marry, be married for 38 le- years unless we were in agreement with one another and there's no way that we can really walk and stay in step with our Heavenly Father unless we're in agreement with Him. I want you to listen to this statement. One way our agreement is made known is by our words. Our words are indicative of whether or not we are in agreement with God. And so if we're going to walk in agreement with Him... We must line our word up with his word. Faith, real faith, Bible faith, is always expressed in what you believe and in what you say. And I'm not just talking about the words we say in church. By the way, some people may wonder, how come you have people speaking the word so much in church? Because I want you to get used to that as being a way of life. Did you know that when you speak the Word of God, it charges the very atmosphere with His presence? And so, what about these words that we speak every day? I mean, the words that we speak at home. The words that we speak about our friend, uh, uh, when we're with our friends. What about those words that we speak when we're at work? What about those words that we speak when the pressure comes on us I want to say to you this morning there are some words that you need to completely remove from your vocabulary and one statement is this I am so upset (coughs) anybody ever been upset (laughs) anybody ever verbalize how upset they were now I don't wanna get heavy heavy with you today But before you say, I'm so upset, you need to know what the word upset means. Because when you verbalize how upset you are, you license other forces to work against you. I'm so upset. I am, I'm just, how are you doing today? I am just so upset. The word upset, listen, means. To be agitated. It means to be distressed. It means to be filled with worry. Filled with anxiety. It literally is an open door to the enemy to torment you all day long. I'm so upset. That person said this about me. Well, join the club. It really doesn't matter what that person said about you. What's important is what did God say about you. And what are you saying about yourself? Well, I'm just, I'm just so upset. I am really, really upset. I traveled all day long. I flew from Oakland to New York City. The jet was late. They had to get it fixed. Why be upset about that? You could really be upset. I'm going down. The jet was late, and we landed in New York City, and it was bumpy, and oh. And we got to the, to the tarmac, and they said, oh, there's a jet in the place where to park. It's going to be at least 30 minutes. Before you can park, we can park this jet. I'm so upset. You know, you ought to be thankful you got there safe. Yeah. See, and what happens is, see, we've been programmed to this stuff our whole life. Yeah, that's true. We've let our tempers flare up. Mm-hmm. We've verbalized how upset we were and how mad we were and how angry we were at this person. You know what? We're not hurting them. We're hurting ourselves. Yeah. I'm so upset. We did it when we were kids, didn't we? I'm so upset, Mom, they wouldn't let me play in the sandbox. I'm so upset, she took my Barbie doll. I'm so upset. Well, you can live your life upset if you want to, but I say he's my peace. I say I'm full of peace. I'm full of the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Now, you may have every reason in the world to be upset, but that is in and of the flesh. You can choose peace over being upset. Let me give you an example of this. How many of you know it rained Monday night real hard? So, was it Sunday night? night, Was it Sunday night? It rained real hard. So, I'm laying in bed Monday morning, and I look up, and the ceiling is starting to bulge. That means there's a leak in the roof. Now, I had an opportunity to get real upset. But you can choose peace over that. And so instead of talking about how upset we were about the roof, we did something about it, got it fixed. And then the furnace went out. I mean, you know, that sometimes it just comes in waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just can't figure it out. But it just comes in. Now, we could have been there upset and just uptight all week long. But instead, we put our bathrobes on and our jammies. Yeah. <laughs> we put our warm clothes on. There you go. They came out once and charged us a pretty good piece of change and didn't fix it. They came out yesterday and still couldn't fix it. Now, I can choose to be upset about it, or I can choose to live in peace. And there's a lot of things that you could be upset about in your life. But you can choose peace. What do you say? Say it with me. I say, you are my peace. peace. I refuse to carry the care. I I I refuse to carry the worry about that in my life. How many of you know that His Word is equally as powerful today in your heart and in your lips when He said, Let there be light. And now for His Word then to be effective, we must speak it. And so creative power will then flow out of our lives. Listen to this statement. The Word of God was spoken before it was written. And was written so it could be spoken. I'm going to say that again. The Word of God was spoken before it was written. And it was written so it could be spoken. Man. Look with me at Romans chapter 8, verse 2. So what are you saying? What are you saying on a regular basis? In Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, a scripture here that ministers to me so many times over and over again in my life. Let's read this together. Look at this. Ready, read. For the law of the Spirit of life hath made me free now, there's something interesting about this verse. There's two laws there, right? But one law trumps, or we could say it this way, one law supersedes the other law. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the law of life. It is the law of love. And in this law, in Christ Jesus, there is freedom There is liberty, there is strength, there are benefits just beyond measure. But this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it frees us up from the law of sin and death. Now, in aeronautics, there are two laws. There's the law of what? Lift. And there's the law of gravity. When a plane or a jet takes off it garners up enough speed so that the law of lift begins to operate and to function and it frees them and us from the law of gravity. It's a higher law, the law of lift. You and I live under a higher law than sin and death. Now, I have said these phrases and this phrase Oh, if I said it once, I've maybe said it a thousand times over the years. And that statement is this, that faith-filled words dominate the laws of sin and death. Now say that with me, faith-filled words dominate the laws of sin and death. And just yesterday, as I was studying, and as I was thinking about that statement, I just decided, well, I'm going to look the word dominate up. And I saw this in the dictionary. The word dominate means to have a commanding influence on, to exercise control over, to be in command of, to be in charge of, to direct, to have ascendancy over, or to have the mastery over. Think about it. When you take the Word of God and fill yourself up with it and mix faith with it by speaking, it dominates, it takes charge of, it gives you mastery over, it causes you to be in command of and exercise control over this law of sin and death that is beneath your feet. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from oppression. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from a worry-filled life. This law supersedes everything down here that tries to keep you on a lower level and lower rung of life spiritually. Have you discovered that the enemy is not into promotion. He wants to demote us. He wants to harass us. He wants to bring lies to our mind and tell us, you'll never be able to get out of debt. You know, you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. You'll never be able to get a job like that. You'll never be able to live in a home like that. But friends, faith-filled words. Words filled with faith. They dominate. They exercise mastery over those lies of sin and death that come to your soul. And so I exhort you by the head of the church, by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, to get this word in you. And begin to speak it out of the abundance of your heart. Your mouth is going to speak. And God's going to take you from one degree of glory to the next. He's going to take you from strength to strength. He's going to take you from faith to faith. But it's important that you say who He is. It's important that I say who He is daily and regularly. I say... He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. I say He is Lord over the Bay Area. I say that I am healed. I say that I am debt free. What are you saying about your circumstance? What are you saying about your life? Turn me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And let's look at verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Very interesting. As I was meditating on that word of dominate, the Spirit of God prompted me with this phrase faith filled prayers inspired by the Spirit of God will dominate the laws of sin and death. Now, what does that mean? for us here in America when you and I pray faith-filled Holy Spirit-filled Holy Spirit-inspired prayers over this nation it will put us in a position of dominance you know when the righteous call upon the name of the Lord it will exalt this nation I'm not giving up on America how about you here's what I say about America I say he is Lord over America I say revival is coming to America. I say there's an awakening coming into the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. I agree with, I agree with Pastor. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, and notice with me in verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. says this. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, do what? Say this with me. I choose to think life, to talk life, and to act on the life of God today. He says, therefore, choose life that you and your seed may live. Amen? Then lastly, turn to Proverbs 18, if you would, real quickly. Proverbs the 18th chapter, the 21st verse. You know, I'm stirred up about faith-filled words. I'm stirred up about speaking the right thing. I'm stirred up about being in agreement with my good, good Father. In, In Proverbs 18 and verse 21, let's look at this together. This is good food right here. Notice this, verse 21. Death and life are what? Your tongue is how you choose life. What you say is how you choose the blessing in your life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You can talk yourself right out of death. You can talk your kids right out of going to hell. You can talk yourself right out of debt. You can talk yourself right out of sickness and disease. By simply agreeing with what he said about your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and uh, you've not yet met Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you've not yet come to Christ And you say, Pastor Mark, this morning I want to come to Jesus today. I want to receive him as my Lord and my Savior. Or maybe you've gotten away from him. And uh, the road back is easy, folks. The road back is just easy by just stepping over that line of commitment and saying, Lord, forgive me. I come back to you with all of my heart, with all of my strength.